middle of relationship status, and we've been talking everything from dating to marriage to sex and sexuality this month, and tonight I get to share and we get to have a conversation around how to make the most of the single years, how to not simply endure or survive being single or merely succumb to the all-too-common cycle of heartbreak and frustration, but how to actually live a life of fulfillment and focus, even if we happen to be checking the box single or even the dreaded, it's complicated right now in our lives, right? And so regardless of where you are in in terms of your relationship status, I actually believe that tonight, all of us together, we're going to leave here discovering new hope, new wisdom. We're going to leave here encouraged, inspired, equipped, empowered to succeed relationally. I believe that that's God's will for every single one of us, and I believe that we're going to grasp a hold of what that looks like for each of us here tonight. So why don't we pray for this very thing? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're here in our midst. We thank you that there is already an atmosphere of faith. And I thank you that where your presence is, there's freedom, there's hope, there's breakthrough, there's new beginnings, there's fresh starts, there's wisdom. And so, God, we open our hearts to all of that. We thank you, God, that you are the author of relationships. You designed them, and you know what it means for us to thrive relationally. And so regardless of what our relationship status is right now, Jesus, we ask for wisdom from heaven. We ask that you lead us and guide us, that you give us grace so that we could thrive, not just survive relationally, but thrive in every area. We declare that over our lives, and we say, Jesus, have your way in this place tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I suppose I should start the conversation by saying that I'm 34 years old, I'm single, I've never been married, which basically means I've had a lot of practice in the art of being single, lots of time spent, yeah. And and I also should define single by saying unmarried. You may have noticed, and many of you know me as part of this community, but I got a little extra bling going on right here. Uh, My fiance, Ben, decided to put a ring on it. So in less than two months, I get to say I do to this extraordinary man that I love with all of my heart. Actually, I have a picture of us. There you go, come on. Look at that fine-looking specimen. He is taking away, he's putting an end to the single era in my life. Thank you, Jesus. But for the sake of conversation tonight, uh, how many of you would also check the box unmarried or single at this point in your life? Just unmarried. You're not married in this room. Okay, all right. Now, I love asking that question in audiences because never have I had people like shout and holler with that. You know, it's never like, yes! It's like, am I alone? Okay, now we're in this, yeah. It's all right. That's why we're having this conversation tonight. It's, it's, it's going to be good. Now, would you say, those of you who are single in this room, would you say that... Um, during your single time, at different moments, you've been exposed to some, you know, well-intended but rather strange romantic advice, or is it just me? Okay, so I have compiled, just for fun, the most interesting things that I have been told as a single person over the years. I have titled this hashtag unsolicited advice for the single because most of the time it has been unsolicited. All right, number one of this list, are you ready here, number one? Drum roll, please, number one. I don't think you're praying hard enough for your future spouse. Okay. So not only is there an implication being made about my romantic life, there's an implication being made about my prayer life. Not cool. I should probably pray more about that, right? See what I did there? Clever. Number two, it sounds like you haven't yet mastered the art of flirting. Guilty as charged, seriously. Small talk bores me, pickup lines make me giggle, and call me old-fashioned, 
but I'm rather reserved as to how quickly a winky face emoticon should make an appearance in a text to an eligible bachelor. Yes, I'm an emoji prude. Number three. You still have more to learn from the school of singleness before you can graduate to getting married. Okay, so wait, does that mean that a marriage certificate is some sort of romantic diploma? Interesting. Number four, have you ever tried Christian Mingle, eHarmony, online dating? Okay, listen, if that's working for you, great. But I have a hard enough keeping up with my Facebook messages, let alone like an online dating profile. And remember back in the day, when if, if you wanted to get to know somebody online, you just subtly Facebook stalk them, you know, before sending a message to be their friend. You'd like a few photos before easing into a direct message. Come on now, Facebook, thank you. You were the pioneer of online dating and you were free. Hello, right? <laughs> and number five, maybe God wants to use you as an example to other singles. God wants to send the message that even though they may be plagued by a severe case of singleness, it doesn't mean they can't too do great things. Okay, all right, so maybe these exact words were not used, but it was inferred that being single was some sort of disease, all right? So does that mean that I'm like the Christian single mascot of sorts, you know? Do I get like a bobblehead, a costume? Because not gonna lie, that would be pretty cool. I could travel as the single mascot. So hopefully this list, you know, you laughed at different moments. And for some of us in this room, it was actually probably therapeutic, right? This exercise. But the truth is we all have been given our list of romantic advice over the years. Many of us have had that, that friend or that close relative who is determined to set us up even though they have less than ideal matchmaking skills, right? And many of us have had the experience of that first date or that blind date that didn't go as planned. We have the awkward story to tell. And many of us honestly also have our fair share of disappointing, if not completely heartbreaking, romantic experiences. And it can leave even the most confident person asking the question, how do I do the single life well? Like how do I not just survive or tolerate or endure or finally hopefully get through being single, but how do I make the most of the, these years? How do I thrive? How do I actually enjoy these years? Well, in order for us to gain the right perspective, let's take a look from God's word. What what God has to say about the single years. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The early church leader and apostle Paul, he speaks directly to singles in the context of church. And this is how he begins the conversation. Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Whoa. I'm pretty sure Paul just got everybody's attention there. Like, this is how he starts the chapter. Just jumps right into the conversation, right? We're listening, Paul. What else do you have to say? He says, certainly, but only within a certain context. That's good news. Sex makes the cut of Christian things to do. This is great. Okay, Paul, we're listening. You may proceed. He says, it's a good thing for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. So God is a huge fan of sex in marriage. Marriage is the only environment, the only commitment, the only covenant that is strong enough to properly steward this magnificent gift of intimacy. It got really quiet, so I'm just gonna keep reading right now. <laughs> this is what Paul goes on, he says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. Okay, this is where most people get confused. 
Because I'm here listening as a single person, and I'm listening to Paul. Just a couple verses, just what we read. He was talking about how marriage is the place for intimacy. And then he says, I wish more people were single. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Because as a single person, I'm thinking that there's some activities that married people get to partake in that we do not as single people. Like, how could this possibly be a better life, right? But Paul goes on to explain. (laughs) Just keeping it real. I do not want... This is what he says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. This world, as you see it, is on its way out. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as possible, as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All I want is for you to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the Master Jesus without a lot of distractions. Now, let's pause and really take in what we just read. Because 1 Corinthians 7 directly opposes the assumption that the single life is a lesser quality of life than a married one. It directly attacks the expectation that in order to live happily ever after, we have to meet Prince Charming or rescue the damsel in distress. Not only here does Paul elevate the joys of being single over the frustrations, but he paints a radically different picture of the single life, one that is not lonely or confused or putting life on hold or running from commitments as all too often the single life is portrayed today, but one that is revolutionary, focused and fulfilled and thriving in life. Now... I'm pretty sure that every single one of us in this room want to thrive in life. The idea of focus and fulfillment sounds great to all of us. And for those of us who are single in this room, I'm pretty sure that all of us would agree we want some, a little less drama and dysfunction and disappointment and heartbreak and a little bit more fun and freedom and focus and fulfillment. And yet, for many of us in this room, there's a discrepancy between the words that we just read in 1 Corinthians 7 and our current reality. There's a gap between what we want and what we have. For some of us, it's a minor leap from where we are to the picture that's portrayed in 1 Corinthians 7. For others of us, if we could be honest in this room tonight, it feels like it's this huge insurmountable chasm that we cannot get across from where we are to this picture of a fulfilled and focused life that is thriving in the single years. But I have good news for us tonight. Oh, and this is great news. Friends, even though we as human beings at best can only mind the gap, Jesus is the one who can bridge the gap in our lives. Listen to what the word of God promises us in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, the Amplified tells us, For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and his purposes. Friends, we actually can receive the wisdom of God to be able to move forward in life. Jesus is willing and able and ready to lead us out of today's pain into tomorrow's promise. This is great news. Because let's be real, it's easy for us 
to listen to the top romantic bloggers today or tips from The Bachelor or conversations with our coworkers or statistics about how hard it is to date in the city or even our own experiences at the bar and the club to form our view on the single life. But it is only Jesus that can actually lead us down a path of focus and fulfillment. It is only Jesus who can take us from a place of loneliness to a place of significance, who can take us from a place of heartbreak to a place of wholeness, who can take us from a place of confusion to a place of focus, who can take us from a place of stress and worry and anxiety anxiety and fear to a place of peace and joy and hope right where we are. Only Jesus can lead us down the path of focus and fulfillment. And so friends, with the rest of the time that we have here tonight, I want us to explore some of the wisdom principles from a godly perspective, straight from God's word, that will lead us down this path of focus and fulfillment right where we are, right in the season that we are. Number one, wisdom principle number one. Wait well. Ugh, I know. It's not what you wanted to hear, right? You're like, got me all hyped up, and you said, wait well. I'm out, right? No. Listen, none of us like waiting. It's just a reality. I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I'm the kind of person that will walk into a store knowing that I need to buy something. It's actually something I need to get. And if the line is too long, I'll be like, nope, not today. I'll find another way, right? I leave, you know? <laughs> I'm the person who walks down the street, and if somebody is, is in front of me and it happens to be like, I don't know, their, their day off or vacation, or they're just like stopping to take photos or ask for directions, I'm like, nope, not today, Satan. I will find a way around that person, and I keep going, you know? And, and don't we start out waiting for the trains on the weekend, like, right? Like, no, I'm not about that life. I hate waiting. And I've yet to hear somebody, I know I'm not alone, because when we talk about hobbies or interests, I've yet to hear any human being actually say, you know what I love to do in my free time is wait. I just love, it's like a hobby of mine, waiting, right? No, we hate waiting. And the reality is for those of us who are single, most of us in this room, we do have a desire to love someone, to grow old with someone, to, to get married, to start a family. Now, for some of us, we feel more ready to be in a serious relationship or more ready to enter into that season of life than others. But depending on how long or how short we want the wait to be, the truth is that if we're currently single and we have a desire someday to be married and have a family, there means that, that means that there's going to be some waiting involved in the in-between. Waiting is inevitable. And it's how we wait in life that makes all the difference. I, I was recently uh, picking up a to-go order at this cafe that I, I eat at, and normally there's not much of a line. And, I don't have to wait, but it was a little bit more busy in the restaurant than normal, so I had to wait for about five minutes. Five minutes, not that big of a deal. And there was a woman in front of me who was also waiting, but something about that five minutes, I don't know what was going on in her life, but that was a lot harder for her, those five minutes, than for me. And so as she was waiting, we were both waiting for our order. She is pacing. She's looking at her watch. She's texting fervently. She's sighing, but it's like the passive-aggressive size, you know, where it's like, oh, 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 like everybody can hear, you know? And, and during what I was like mesmerized by her, I couldn't take my eyes off her. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is happening right now. She, she caught me staring at her, you know, my bad, right? So she looks at me and, and she makes eye contact and she goes, oh, right, right? And I just looked back at her and I smiled and I said, no, I'm good, you know? And she didn't look at me again the whole time, you know, go figure. But watching her was kind of like a case study of life. I, I, was, I was taking in the experience of going, wow, I mean, here we are both waiting in line for something we know is coming our way. 
Like there's the guarantee we're holding the receipt, we know it's coming, but one of us is definitely having a better time than the other. And I started thinking about how many different times in life I've found myself in the situation where I'm huffing and puffing with God about things that faith says I don't need to worry about, that faith says is already headed my way, that faith says I don't need to even think about because it's coming, God promised it and he'll deliver it. Oh friends, I wonder how often we end up spending time huffing and puffing with God. We show up to church, the first worship song is like Jesus being thrown. We're like, Jesus, by the way, why is this happening to me? Like, let's talk about this. You know, we, we open our Bible and it becomes this huffing and puffing fest. Like every time we talk to Jesus, it becomes like, Jesus, why am I not getting asked out yet? Why is everybody else getting married and starting a family? Listen, Jesus, I'm about to go to this family gathering. If one more person asks me if I'm dating somebody, Jesus, silence my enemies for me. I can't take it. Why? Why is this happening, right? We're huffing and puffing about things that Jesus says, you know what, I promised it. In due time, it's on its way. Why wait that way? Why allow that kind of attitude? And let's be real, it is an attitude. Sabotage the joy and the peace that we're meant to have in this season. Here's how Philippians chapter 4 describes waiting. It's from the Apostle Paul, and he did quite a bit of waiting in his life. He got good at it. Here's what he says. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, Jesus, who gives me strength. We can't wait well, friends, without contentment. And the secret to contentment is found in Jesus. Now, recently I was having coffee with a young woman that I've been mentoring a bit, and she was just honest with me. She said, you know what? I'm really struggling when it comes to dating right now and my perspective on it. Like, I'm following Jesus. I'm honoring God in my dating choices. I'm being prayerful. I'm being intentional. I'm not just sitting around waiting for some guy to come. I'm living my life right now. I'm doing all the right things, but I have these moments where I'm just like, Jesus, when am I going to meet this great guy? When am I going to get married? This is a desire of my heart. When is it going to happen? Like, when am I going to progress forward to the next season that's been a dream of mine for so long? Like, is it going to happen? I find myself asking that question. And, and here's what I said to hear, and here's what I'd say to those who, who feel like they're in a similar place. Regardless if it's waiting for a relationship, if you find yourself waiting and you're just struggling a bit in the waiting, here's what I'd say. I get it. I've been there. I feel you. I know what it's like. About three years ago, long before Ben, I was in a serious relationship that was headed towards marriage. We had gone to premarital coaching and classes together. We had talked about wedding dates. He was saving up for an engagement ring. And then surprisingly, um, and it surprised me and those closest to us, he ended the relationship. And when it happened, I was, I was heartbroken. I was humiliated. I look back now on it, and honestly, I'm so grateful for that decision, and not because he was a bad guy, but because now I can see that God had something so much greater for him and for me, but at the time, it was devastating. You know, I, I, I had been preparing my heart for marriage, and it always felt like this dream of mine, to be honest, that as I was pursuing God, it felt like, like it was this carrot being dangled, you know, and I was the horse, and it was just beyond my reach, and and, and it finally was going to be within my grasp, and then suddenly it got wiped straight from the, the picture of my life completely. And in the middle of grieving the loss of this relationship, there's a lot of things I did. There's a lot of things that I struggled to, to figure out. There's one thing I started doing that I'm grateful for. I began getting honest. Like, I, I didn't bottle up my frustration or my disappointment or my confusion. I got real and honest in my prayers, you know? 
I didn't put on a smiley face. I didn't act like everything was okay with God when it wasn't. I got real. I started praying things like, why, Jesus? Like, why? Seriously, why did this happen? Did I miss something? What did I miss? And, and have I missed out by being in this relationship? Did I miss my opportunity for the actual person I was supposed to be in a relationship? Like, I don't know how this thing works, God. What is going to happen in my future? Am I too far gone in this equation? Like, am I going to be single for the rest of my life? Am I going to go through more heartbreak? What's my future? Like, let me know so I can adjust my expectations. What was I doing? I was asking real questions, and I was expecting divine answers. In short, I was wrestling with God. You know, in, in Genesis chapter 32, there's a story of Old Testament hero Jacob, and he finds himself in, in, in a rather tough situation. His life is being threatened, and he feels like he's out of options. He's kind of backed in a corner, and it's in this moment that Jesus, in his graciousness, appears to Jacob, and this is how the encounter unfolds between the two of them. So, so Jacob was left alone in a man, capital M, Jesus, came and wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint, and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. So he asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed." Then Jacob asked him, well, please tell me your name, as if to say, okay, well, you gave me a blessing. Now it's time for me to give you one. And Jesus is like, no, 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 fool, you don't need the blessing. I don't need a blessing. You need the blessing. And here, let me declare, bro, a blessing over your life. He says that it declared a blessing of the covenant promises on Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, the face of God, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has not been snatched away. Jacob got to a place in his life where he knew that if he was going to move forward, then he actually had to get a blessing from God. And so he was willing to do whatever it took to get that blessing. He wasn't going to let go of that moment until he got a blessing. He was willing to wrestle for the blessing. And friends, that's what some of us need to start doing. We need to wrestle for the blessing. We need to wrestle for the new name. Because some of us have been living too long under the wrong name. We've been living under the name rejected. It's time for a new name. We've been living under the name abandoned. It's time for a new name. We've been living under the name of dysfunction and heartbreak that's existed for generations. And it's time for it to break with us. We need a new name. It's time to wrestle for the new name. Time to wrestle for the blessing. Time to wrestle for the vision of what to hope for for your future. Because here's the thing, friends, our Savior has it for you. He had it for me. He had the blessing for me. He had the new name for me. As I began to wrestle for these things, God began to show me that even though my circumstances had changed, the promises that he'd made to me hadn't. And then in his timing, in his way, he would reward the desires of my heart, that he would honor those, that he would see them come to pass. And now here I am, and I'm so grateful that God has brought Ben into my life. So grateful. Jesus is faithful. And my coming wedding to Ben is proof of that. But let me reassure you that Ben coming into my life did not bring hope and faith to my singleness. Wrestling for the blessing did that. And a change in my relationship status did not assure me of my hope and the full assurance of my faith did not come out of something changing relationally for me. It came out of seeking answers from my Savior. Only Jesus can truly satisfy the soul. Only Jesus can bring us the hope and the peace and the joy and the strength and the power and the breakthrough that we're ultimately searching for. And you know, 
If we're not careful, we'll go looking from one project to one thing to one relationship to another, trying to meet the void that only Jesus can fill. And there's nothing worse than getting a legitimate need met in an illegitimate way. It will only lead to pain and heartbreak. Friends, what Jesus can offer you and I right now, right where we are, knowing everything that's going in our life, knowing exactly where we are, knowing what we're struggling with, knowing our past, our present, knowing our tomorrow, Jesus is the only one right now who can bring us what we really need, and he can offer us something that's far better than any coffee date or wedding bells or job promotion or new home or new move. Jesus can do what nothing else can do in our lives. So, friends, if you're at a place where you're struggling a little bit, it's okay. If you're struggling in the weight, if it's frustrating in the weight, if you're doubting in the weight, if you're discouraged in the weight, let me encourage you, wrestle for your blessing because Jesus has it for you. Wrestle for the new name. Wrestle for the vision and the hope that he wants to give you in this season, friends, because it will make all the difference in how you are able to wait. Wait well. Number two, choose wisely. Choose wisely. You know, the truth is that the choices that we make today, they're like seeds that we sow into our future. In fact, Galatians describes the choices that we make this way. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, right, their sinful nature, that their own way apart from Jesus, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, the spirit of God from the spirit will reap eternal life. Our choices today affect more than our present. They ultimately shape our future. So with that in mind, may I suggest that we choose wisely what we focus on. Listen, we all have hard and frustrating moments. That's just the reality of life. But if you're having a, a lonely moment or a frustrated moment, we all have them in the single years, in the single moments, right? Then maybe it's not a good time when you've had that kind of day to go home, watch The Notebook, eat Ben and Jerry's for dinner, put on Michael Buble and hug your pillow, hoping that it'll turn into a real live person, right? Like none of these Choices, and yes, they are choices, will actually sow seeds that will reap contentment in our lives. In fact, they'll do the opposite. They will sabotage the joy and the peace that we were meant to have in this season. And let's choose wisely who we do life with. Like, who are our close relationships, our friendship circle? Let's choose that wisely. Like, we ought to be around people that are maximizing the season of life that they're in. And we ought to be those kind of people for other people. Let's be around people who are passionate about Jesus, passionate about life, passionate about making a difference. You know, when I was, a, I was a junior in high school, I moved to a new town, and so I was starting a new school. And I wanted to meet friends, so I heard that there was, um, once a week, there was this Christian Bible club after school. And I thought, that's great. I'm going to meet some friends. This is going to be awesome. I had really good expectations and hopes for that club. I walked in, and I got to tell you, that was the most depressing hour and a half of my high school life. It was a small group of people sitting in a classroom the whole time talking about how hard it was to maintain Christian values in a public high school and how we really just needed this club so that we could stay spiritually safe, you know? And, and I did meet a couple friends and form friendships out of that, but I promise you it was the only time I ever went to that Bible club. I had one expectation. I walked in thinking I was going to be surrounded with people who wanted to make a difference in the world, and instead I stumbled upon a support group for the discontented. Let's be careful that we don't form friendship circles that ultimately are just the support group for the discontented single or the discontented fill-in-the-blank, right? Because there's some conversation pieces that honestly, they're just, they're just cancerous to the joy that we're meant to have in the season. You know, saying things like, man, it is so hard to find a guy in the city or 
you know, I, it's just really difficult to date in church, or I, you know, the problem with guys today, the problem with girls today, you know, they're so complicated. If I just really had a boyfriend, if I was married right now, this would be so much easier. It's very silent in this room. No shame, shame-free zone. We've all said it, we've all been there, but we can move forward, right, with new wisdom today. Now, listen, let's surround ourselves with the kind of people that, yeah, have real moments, honest moments about what they're struggling with and different moments, we all have them, but who can approach the single life from a place, not of bitterness and resentment, but a place of wisdom and hope. And let's be that for other people. Now, let's choose wisely while we're talking about choices. Let's choose wisely who we date. Like, listen. If you hear nothing else from this message, please hear this. We never have to forfeit the call of God on our lives in order to be in a dating relationship. We never have to compromise our relationship with God or healthy relationships with other people in order to be in a relationship with somebody else. We never even have to entertain the thought of dating somebody that does not inspire us in our faith. We can go ahead and have standards. I mean, listen, we are following a Savior who died on the cross for us, who rose from the dead for us, like he conquered death and destruction for us. He gave it all for us. We believe that he's given us eternal life, eternal hope, a new beginning, a fresh start, love, power, a sound mind. We believe that his spirit, and we are living proof of his spirit, transforming us from the inside out. If we can trust God for all of these things, I think we can trust God that he'll bring a quality person into our lives, right? So we can go ahead and have some standards. Like, listen, we can date people who roll up their sleeves and contribute to making their community, their city, their family, their world a better place. We don't have to hang out with and date people who are always yelling at the waiter or talking bad about people when they're not around or who always have an excuse as to why they can't fulfill a commitment. Hello? We can get ourselves around people, and we can date people, and we can pursue relationships with people who serve others, who contribute, who, who are protective, who, who, who see the needs of others and are quick to respond, who get stuff done, who know how to pursue you with kindness and purity. These people actually exist. They're not mythical creatures out of some fairy tale. They are real. And I promise, as you pursue Jesus and the plans that he has for your life, a person of character and strength and conviction will take note of you. And they will not be intimidated by your passion and convictions. They'll love you all the more for them. Let's choose wisely. And I suppose as we're talking about choices, we should also choose wisely to address the issues of our heart and take time to heal from the wounds of our past. This has been crucial for me. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a home where there was a healthy example of marriage as a kid, and I definitely grew up in an environment of heartbreak and dysfunction. And yeah, over the years, there were some boys who kissed me and then made me cry. And it got to a place in my life where I realized if I was going to move forward with a hope for my future, then I could no longer ignore the wounds of my past. It takes courage to allow our Heavenly Father to bring healing to the places we'd rather stay hidden. But I promise you that there's freedom on the other side of that courage. There's freedom from shame and fear that continues to sabotage our best attempts at love and happiness. And so perhaps for you, that means that you open up to a trusted friend or at the end of service today when we have our prayer team available that you come up for prayer and you ask more about the pastoral care that we offer here at Liberty Church or you seek out professional Christian counseling. Listen, there's no shame in any of those things. In different seasons of my life, I have done all of those things and they have brought healing and wholeness to my life. They've been vehicles that God has used to redeem the things of my past. 
And he wants to do the same for you. And please know this, here at Liberty, this is a shame-free zone. It's actually our heart to see you equipped to be free from the wounds of your past and to live with a hope for your future, to trust that your brightest days, your best days are ahead of you and not behind. Let's choose wisely. Let's choose wisely who we get input from and advice from when it comes to relationships. I think it's a good rule of thumb that we would seek counsel and wisdom and advice from people who are further along in the journey than we are, where they're at a place that we want to be someday. And I think that includes relationally. You know, we should surround ourselves with people and get input from people when we're making dating choices, people who have great marriages, marriages that we respect with Jesus at the center of them. Before Ben and I got engaged, we were talking about marriage. You know, one of the things that we did is we went out to dinner with Paul and Andy and we shared with them what we were thinking and we talked to them for about an hour about it. And it was one of the best conversations that we had. It was full of wisdom. It was full of encouragement. We left that conversation feeling like, you know what, we can do this. We're like high-fiving each other, like fist pumping, like we're going to do this marriage thing and it's going to be great, right? But it was because we chose to get the right input, the right wisdom. Still today, we came from just hanging out with Bob and Mavis and getting wisdom on how to step into marriage. We're choosing to surround ourselves with people who know more than we do, who see the blind spots that maybe we can't see in our lives. And friends, if you open yourself to that kind of wisdom and input, it will make you stronger. It's definitely added strength to my life. I know it. I can see it. But here's the thing about that. Then we also have to be open to hearing what we don't want to hear, right? That means there's people who are wiser than us and further along the journey for a reason. And they might see blind spots that we don't see in our lives. And if they bring them up, they're bringing it up in love. And I'm so grateful for those people at different stages of my life who are able to see things that I couldn't see in the choices that I've made in the past. And sometimes I didn't want to hear what they had to say, but I'm so grateful that I listened because ultimately what they were doing out of love was they were keeping me in a place where I could continue to pursue purpose and destiny in my life. And ultimately that is what is at stake with the choices that we make. So may we choose wisely. And last, but certainly not least, wisdom principle number three, live fully. Like live. Life is not on pause. It is happening right now. This is what I love about our Jesus. He promises us life and life to the full in John 10. Life and life abundantly. The message version says life beyond our wildest imaginations. This is the life that Jesus offers. And here's what he didn't say. He didn't say life when you get a boyfriend. Life and life to the full when you get a girlfriend. Life and life to the full when you get married, when you have 2.5 kids and a home. No, he said life right now. Jesus offers us life to the full right now. I've talked to so many single people who, for some reason or another, they get sold the message that they have to hold on to some dreams and desires. They have to put it on the back shelf. They have to put it on the back burner. They're just waiting till they meet that special someone before they pursue those things. Like, they need that extra sort of security. Friends, you have Jesus. We have Jesus. He is our source of security. And if he's put dreams in our heart, friends, let's go after them. Everybody's story of romance is different. Everybody. May I encourage you, whatever your story is, own it. You do you, boo. Right? <laughs> Hustle hard for the things that matter. Like travel often, take risks, go on the blind date, even if it is a train wreck. Like laugh often, make memories. Let's not squander for a moment this brilliant gift of life that we have been given. I believe one of the best ways that we live fully and we embrace life and life to the full, honestly, is by serving other people. I really believe that. 
I believe that our world gets larger when we see beyond our own needs and begin to see the needs of others around us. Something happens, something clicks. We begin to walk in the full potential that Jesus has when we see and begin to meet needs around us. You know, Proverbs says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And I believe that God has called us to be big people who fulfill big calling and live big lives. And a key to that is seeing beyond ourselves to begin meeting needs and bringing help where we can. So what I love about our church, actually every month we have something called Join the Team. It's part of our next steps for people who are newer or who've been here for a while, but you're ready to take that next step forward and just getting more connected here at Liberty. And tonight, right after the service, we have that. It's called Join the Team. And it's like a 20-minute orientation. It's really easy, but you'll learn about all the different ways. And there's so many different opportunities for each of us to use our gifts and talents to serve, to serve here in our church, to serve each other, to serve in our community, to serve globally. I want to encourage you, if that's you and you're going, you know what, maybe that's what I need. I'm missing this serving aspect. I've been kind of a bit focused on me right now, or I want to meet some great people. I want to get more connected. Then it's for you. Join the team. It's, it's your night. Make sure to do that right after service, and I'm sure you'll get more information about it. But the point is this, let's see beyond ourselves, because when we start to see beyond ourselves, then we begin to live a big life that God's called us to and life and life to the full. Let's live fully. You know, I hope that tonight has been encouraging for us. I hope that, yes, in moments, perhaps we've been a bit challenged, but challenged out of love, knowing that we can hope for a great future, knowing that the best is yet to come, knowing the promises that Jesus has made for us, they're steady, they're sure, they're not moving. I hope that we've gained some wisdom in our choices. And ultimately, I hope that we're in a position to truly live fully right where we are right now. One of my favorite stories in, in Scripture is in one of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 12, and it tells the story of the disciples who are crossing over the Sea of Galilee. They're on a boat, but a huge storm takes place, and they're scared, they're panicking, they don't know what to do, they're, they're not sure they're going to make it. But also, they look out into the storm, and what do they see? They see Jesus and he's walking on water. The very storm that's trying to sink them, Jesus is walking upon, proving that he commands the wind and the waves, that he's Lord even over the storms of our lives. And they're panicked and they're frightened and they're astonished all at the same time. But one of them, Peter, does something that the rest don't do. He doesn't just stay amazed at the boat, from the boat, looking at what Jesus is doing. He says, Jesus, invite me to join you. And Jesus says, yeah, you can come. And in that moment of faith, he leaves the 11 behind. He leaves the safety and the comfort of the boat behind. And in one step, he does what, to my recollection, to my knowledge, has never been done by another human being. He begins to walk on water with Jesus. That's my hope for us, friends, is that we would leave what is common and normal and status quo when it comes to being single behind, that we wouldn't be like the statistics, that we wouldn't be like what we see on TV, that it wouldn't even be perhaps what we've seen in our own family and our own past experiences, but that we would be willing to leave ordinary behind to embrace the extraordinary that Jesus has for us right now, right where we are, that we would look back on our single years and be able to say, you know what? God did the impossible in my life there. Come on, let's talk about miracle after miracle that God did during my single years. Let's talk about how I walked on water during the single years. I believe that that is what Jesus has for every single one of us. So friends, may we have the courage of Peter to step out of the boat, embrace the wisdom, embrace the faith and the hope that Jesus has for us right now, right where we are. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. 
If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.